Our second message this afternoon is from Mr. Steve Andrews. It is entitled, Unto All Patience and Longsuffering. Steve. Well, <clears throat> greetings and sorry about that. I have uh, been having a little trouble with my throat and of course my Miriam's down with a pretty bad cold, so I apologize if I sound a little froggy today, but uh, hopefully I'll be able to get through this and everything will work out. It was uh, interesting to listen to, to Matt's message, uh, um, and I was pondering how that uh, Paul has the tendency to, in his writings to take these contrasting things, make you feel real bad on, on one end, and then help you to get over it on the other. And it's interesting because it fits in fairly well with the thought I have today. When you go to Galatians, the fifth chapter, and you look at verses 19, 20, and 21, you're, you feel very, very bad because those are all the works of the flesh. Everything <laughs> that the world does, and we are also influenced by those things. It is a part of our life the works of the flesh. But Paul, as he draws all those works out, wants to encourage us. He wants us to understand that the fruit of God's Holy Spirit, nine fruits are being produced. I think what he's trying to say is let's, let's focus on the fruit and not on those other things that are so bad. It's interesting that those first four fruits, love, joy, peace, and the fourth one is something that we, I think all of us struggle with, is that long-suffering. And today, that's what I want to go through. I want to, I want to look at a very important part of our spiritual life, and that is patience and long-suffering. But I'd like to start out in Colossians, the first chapter, which will bring up my title and part of, uh, part of it here. And beginning in verse 7, as you also learned of um, Ephrasus, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, that person that they, he was talking about that was preaching the word was long dead. But the words never change. And especially these words of encouragement that you may, might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful, being fruitful, as it says, those fruits, those nine fruits, they should be growing within us or growing on us or however you want to picture it. It's, it's up to you, however you want to think about those nine fruits, and especially the one that we're going to be focusing on today, long-suffering, and I'll show you how those and patience go together. 
that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. You see the workings of the Spirit that was within us? Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Unto what? Unto, unto, unto. <laughs> Sorry about that. You, you got a pardon being an okie. It just comes out every time. <laughs> Unto all patience and long-suffering with what? Joyfulness. With joyfulness. Our life sometimes is filled with things that might not produce joy, but the Spirit within us, looking to the end result, the kingdom of God, should have joy. Part of that that's dwelling in us. Giving thanks. Giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. We have a great, tremendous future ahead of us. Each one of us. With that spirit dwelling in us, that fruit that's growing there, and the potential that we have in the kingdom of God. As I said, there were, and I have three points today, only three, and they, these three are, I'd like to outline them before I start here. Um, and the first one is God reveals himself as long-suffering. I think you, some of you probably will remember some of the scriptures about him saying that. The second part is our admonition to long-suffering as we do have admonitions to be long-suffering. And the third point that I'd like to bring out today, let patience have her perfect work, and I might add, in us. Let patience have her perfect work in us. Now, so that we could set the groundwork and understand what the difference between patience and long-suffering is, I brought one of Lawrence's favorite books, and also mine, Vine's... Uh, Expository, I guess you call it a dictionary. I think that's what it is. Uh, well, Expository's Dictionary of the New Testament Words. And very interesting. The word long-suffering is uh, makothemia, and I don't claim to know anything about Greek, so I'm, uh, if that's not right, I'm, I, I'm sorry. It, it's um, forbearance, patience, long-suffering. And if you break the word down... Uh, makros is long, and thermos is temper, long-tempered. Not short-tempered, like some of us get, but long-tempered. <laughs> so, to be long-tempered is rendered, um, let's see, let's see, um, I got two words here, uh, is usually rendered long-suffering, uh, and they give a lot, a lot of uh, scriptures here about that, which we'll go through some of them. And then the second part is uh, this one, the, the first one was as they use it as a noun, the second one they use it as a verb. Um, Macrothermio, akin to eight, to be patient, long suffering, to bear with, literally, to be long tempered, uh, as rendered a verb by to be long suffering, and then there's uh, um, some scriptures that go with it. So, that is just a quick one on the on the long-suffering, and then the word patient, 
Patience, patient, patiently is uh, hopomone. Hopomone. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but um, you, you can go with it as it is. It is an abiding under. Hupo uh, uh, is under, and mino, or mano, is to abide. It's almost invariably rendered patience, patience which grows only in trial. Uh, that's James 1.3. May be passive, endurance, as in trials generally. So we look at that um, patience under, under um, different trials and, tri and tribulations and temptations. So we go back to, uh, Vines has a little note here, and I thought it was very good, and it has a, it, it pretty much rounds out the difference between what long-suffering is and what patience is. Long-suffering is that quality of self-restraint in the face of provocation, which does not hastily retaliate or promptly punish. It is the opposite of anger and is, a safe, and is associated with mercy and is used of God because he is long-suffering with the nation of Israel, and he's long-suffering with us. Sometimes we don't please God, but he doesn't zap us immediately when we don't please him. He's long-suffering. He's merciful to us. <clears throat> and so we're very thankful for that. Patience is the quality that does not surrender to circumstances or succumb under trial. Patience does not surrender to circumstances or surrender under trial. It is opposite of depend, uh, despondency and is associated with hope. So one's associated with mercy, the other is associated with hope. And the Bible says we should have both of these. We should have patience and we should be long-suffering. So let's look and see what, what the scriptures say about these. First of all, let's go and look and see what the Bible reveals about God's long-suffering. We'll go back to Exodus, the 34th chapter, in which he reveals by his own words that he's long-suffering. And we'll begin in verse 6. And this is where the Lord passed by Moses, very powerful. Moses asked, hey, I, I, I want to see you. He said, no, you can hide behind the rock and I'll come by. You can see my back. But as he passes by, he pronounces these things. Verse 6, the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children, unto the third and fourth generation. And of course, Moses made haste, bowed his head towards the earth and worshiped. I mean, that must have been so profound to be in front of in that situation. But that was God's own words. He's long-suffering. He's merciful. He's forgiving. Uh, in Numbers 14, verse 18, and that's not Exodus, it's Numbers. <laughs> Sorry about that. If I didn't write Numbers down, I meant to. In Numbers 14 and verse, verse 18 is pretty much uh, the same. 
thing. The Lord is long-suffering of great mercy, forgiving in iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the third and fourth generation. And so consequently, let's go to Second Peter, see what the New Testament reinforces this. Second Peter 3, verse 8. Finally, be you all of one mind, having compassion one for another, one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be uh, courteous, not rendering evil for evil, nor or railing for railing, but counterwise, blessing, knowing that you are thereunto called that you should inherit a blessing. These are beautiful words. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do, no, and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. In other words, pursue peace to all your ability. For the eyes of the Lord are, are over the righteous and his ears are open to, unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you? <clears throat> um, and who is he that will harm you if you be followers that which are good? But if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are you and, uh, and you be afraid. Now, let's see now. Maybe I have the wrong... Do I the right one? No, I'm in... Well, it sounded good anyway. I did that at the, the feast. That's First uh, Peter. Hey, go right by that. Those were very good words, but we'll go right on to the, the first Peter, the second Peter, the third chapter, verse 8. And, of course, Brian is already used to me doing this, so he's, he's right in there with me. <laughs> uh, he's used to me doing this. All right, now let's get to the ones that I should have been reading here. This is Second Peter 3 and verse 8, which is probably up on the board, and nobody and I wasn't seeing it. And then uh, Kim probably this time tried not to, to give me the right answer <laughs> since I didn't hear him the last time. He says, but believe and be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men concern slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. So here, here we say, God is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He is concerned about every human being. He is concerned that we all come to repentance. And he is long-suffering, even though we sin, and, we, and we have failures, and we have faults. This time I will try to find my next scripture without going to the wrong one. I think it's 1 Timothy, the first chapter, and I believe it begins in verse 14, so let's see if that... I think I'm right. I hope so, anyway. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful serving and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Howbeit, for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. 
Jesus Christ. Paul understanding this very thing that that death of Christ, his position by the Father today, and his patience, his long suffering with us, that we, believing what Paul said, have that hope of eternal life. It's so important that we see these scriptures and apply them personally to, to ourselves. Give, them, give each one of these a personal responsibility that we apply them to ourselves as we hear these words. Okay, part, part two, our admonition to long-suffering. Let's go to, we're in 1 Timothy, let's go to 2 Timothy. And I do apologize, sometimes I do get excited and get in the wrong place and not good, but <clears throat> I do it. So you'll have to be patient with me today, as uh, I'm asking you to be that way. I charge you therefore before God, verse 1 of chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, the instant in season, out of season, reprove, reprove re, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from truth, and shall be turned unto fables. And that's why we, we bring the word, we bring the message of God, and the hope of the kingdom of God, and that's why we preach it in season and out of season. And we're long-suffering. You know, we want everyone who hears the message to come to this way of life and to live and to receive God's Holy Spirit and to live that way. And we know that God has set certain times and there's going to be certain callings, but it's our calling today. We are called today. Those are the, here in this room or listening to this message are being called into His kingdom, into His glorious kingdom. And we're admonished to preach the word, to be instant in season and out of season, and to give it to you. And it, it also comes back to us. We, we hear it. It's important for us who preach the word to believe what we preach, to believe what we say, so that it also affects us as well as you. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Beginning of verse 1. He says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. You know, sometimes you have to be patient with one another. You really have to be patient with me a lot of times. <laughs> Sometimes I don't get things in the right order or don't do what I should do. And, and so you have to be patient. We have to have long-suffering, forbearing one another in what? In love. What's the first fruit? So we're, we're building all this fruit, 
and the first fruit is love. So they're all connected, aren't they? They're all connected, but they're, they're all separate fruits. So you put them all together. You're with lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering and forbearing. And we do it all in love. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then he goes on to talk about that one body. That one body, one spirit, one hope, your calling, so important. I already went through Galatians the 5, 22, um, and so I'm not going to turn to there. I'm going to go to number three, which is let patience have her perfect work. Let's, look, let's turn to Luke first. Let's turn to, to see what Jesus said. And this is a, a different look at the parable of the sower of the seeds. And I think it's quite profound. I, when I read this this morning, I, I realized how interesting this part of this parable is in contrast to how he does it in, in, in Matthew. Now, a parable is this. The seed is the word of God. And those by the wayside are they, and this is verse 11 of chapter 8, and I'm, if I didn't say that, chapter 8 of Luke, beginning of verse 11. Now this, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God, and those by the wayside are they that hear, and then comes the devil and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe and in time of temptation fall away. And this really, it really does explain a lot of things um, to those who come and, and you know, are here for a short period of time. Because there's a lot of temptations, there's a lot of trials, there's a lot of things that come on Christians. We're, we walk a different route and it's very hard sometimes in our lives. We preach that you become strong, that you have the strong fruits, those good fruits, that, so that you don't um, turn away. And that which fell among thorns are they, which when they have heard, go forth and choke with cares and riches and pleasures of this life, bring no fruit to perfection. That's how important that is. But that on the good ground are they, which are in honest and good, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. They bring forth that fruit with patience. And sometimes if you did look at all the sinful things that, well, Christians do and we do, and, and, and you were, you know, you got your mind off of those things and you weren't patient even in your own life, you might turn away. But Christ says, this, you, you initially are planted in good ground. After you come up out of that watery grave, you have that Holy Spirit. The, that hope, is, that right there is good ground. It is the start of something good. And from there you grow. And you overcome. And you change. That's the beginning. 
And that's where you begin to bear that fruit. And you bring that fruit together in yourself with patience. So let's turn now to Romans, the fifth chapter. Romans 5. Beginning in verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And notice the words. Notice these words that, that just fall into place. As we've been talking about the, the grace and the mercy and different things, and God and, and how He's working with us. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations, also knowing that tribulation works patience. I remember, you know, you were asking about the baptism, um, and everyone should, should do that. They should think about how God called them, how they brought them out of this world, he brought you to that place where you would be willing to, to lay down in that watery grave and to receive that Holy Spirit. And then realize sometimes we go through fiery trials afterwards. It might not happen right away, but sometimes those trials do come. And they're to test your patience. That's what it says. Knowing that tribulation works patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And those words are so true for all those of us who have been in, in this way for a while. We see that. We see that God's Holy Spirit working in us allows us to have a grounding that we wouldn't have, I think, if that Spirit wasn't working with us, wasn't helping us in our lives. And hope makes not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which is given unto us. He says, let's see how far I wanted to go. Yeah, I wanted to take this a little further. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure, or peradventure, for a good man, some would dare to die. But God commends his love towards us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. He sits at the right hand of the Father as our advocate. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received that atonement, the atonement. In 1 Timothy, the sixth chapter, beginning in verse 6. He says, but godliness, godliness with contentment is great gain. And there's a, 
you can read the verses a little bit before this, but he is talking about um, being, uh, you know, per certain things that aren't godly. And then he comes down here and says, Godliness with contentment is great, is great gain. For we, we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. You know, we come in naked and we go the same way, although, you know, we'll clothe the body. But we, we can't take anything with us and we didn't, we didn't bring anything in. And having food and raiment, let us be here with content. Now, that's a part of long-suffering and patience. You know, some people have a lot of money, a lot of means, and others of us struggle from day to day or paycheck to paycheck. But God has given us the hope of the kingdom of God greater than all of the riches of this earth. I don't care how many riches you could have. It is nothing greater than the, than the greatest, the greatest, the smallest part in the kingdom of God. Because it's going to be greater than anything that you could ever receive on this earth. Any prize, any amount of money will not hold up to the prize of the kingdom of God and walking on those golden streets of God's beautiful, wonderful home that he has for us. Jesus said he went there to prepare a place for us. He's preparing it right now. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith, pierce themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things. Follow after righteousness. Here he lists some more things that, that we should have in our life. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience meekness, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, wherewith you are also called and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. That's why we like to baptize with witnesses. And there's a lot more witnesses that come to baptism than most of us could perceive. I mean, I don't know how many God allows to, to witness a baptism into his, his sonship. But I would suspect that the holy angels and the Father and the Son are there when they go under that watery grave and come up. What a powerful thing to think about, that those holy angels are watching over those new babes in Christ and looking after them and wanting them to succeed. James, the first chapter. Beginning in verse um, 1. I think this is where I want. Yeah. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into different temptations. 
knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. So whenever we fall into those different trials in our life, different temptations in our life, we should, should understand that it's working patience. It's working patience in our spiritual life. But let patience have her perfect work. There's a perfect work in that patience that's being developed in us. That you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. And then he goes on to talk about wisdom and lacking wisdom. James has something else to say about patience in, in chapter 5, in beginning of verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husband waits, husbandman waits for that precious fruit of the earth, and has long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. You see how all these are, and Paul likes it, and James and Peter, and all of them like to tie the, these ideas about the growth of fruit trees, fruit plants, things that, have, that are bearing fruit, something that will be harvested. We know there's going to be a great harvest coming. That great harvest will bring us into the kingdom of God for all eternity. And has long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. Be you also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draws nigh. Grudge nigh one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge stands before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. And we can go back and we can look and see. We can look at Paul and how he suffered and how he, he, he made the remark that he, he suffered more than most all of the other apostles and went through so much because Christ told him he would. <laughs> And then they were jealous of John, even though John did die. But John had a, had a responsibility to, to, to write the book of Revelation. But he did die also. And these men, we can, we can look at their examples and their, their suffering and the things they went through. And go back to the Old Testament and look at the examples of those men. We can look at Moses how he was so faithful to those people and how he even saved them a few times from God's wrath because they were so wicked. And he, was, he reminded God of his long suffering and his mercy. Let's go to Hebrews, the sixth chapter. I don't know if we can find Hebrews. Ah, oh, there we are. Wow. It is in there. Verse 9, beginning in verse 9. Beloved, we are persuaded better things of you, and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed towards his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you to show the same diligence, 
to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So we, we can't be slothful in this way. And, but we have to be followers. And, and there's, there's a need for some energy, some work there. Of them who through faith and patience inherit the, the promises. You see how they go together. Faith, patience, that hope. All of those things, they go together. Let's see, I think I had a few more verses there. For when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater. He swore by himself saying surely blessing I will bless you. Multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured he obtained the promise. For, for men verily swear by the greater and an oath for uh, confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto heirs a promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie we might have a strong consolation who have fled to refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us what a tremendous hope we have which hope we have as an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast and which endures under the uh, uh, endures into that within the veil, whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Understanding that we can have those tremendous that patience, that the hope, all of those things, because we Christ is already there. He's already performing the ministry. And he will do the work. And he will accomplish that work in us. If we have that patience, long-suffering, if we bear those fruits of the Holy Spirit. Wherefore, verse 12, uh, uh, chapter 12 of Hebrews, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily uh, so, uh, which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. There is a race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's see how much more. And I think that was where I wanted to finish up right there. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Revelation, the second chapter. Jesus had some words to, to say to the churches. Important words for us to, to take in. Because we are the churches and we do need to adhere to those things. And when we lack what Jesus said they lacked, we need to improve. When we have what they, they had, we need to be thankful to God that we have those. And when he chastises them for certain things, we need to repent of those and try to become better. In Ephesians, the, uh, in Revelation, the second chapter, and beginning in uh, verse 2, this is under the angel 
of the church of Ephesus. I know your works and your labor and your patience, how you canst not bear them which are evil. And that's a good thing. And you have tried them which say they are apostles and they're not and found them liars. So they used the word of God and they were able to, to discern those things. And have borne and have patience and for my name's sake have labored and have not fainted. And then nevertheless I have somewhat against you because you have, you have left your first love. And so there's a chastisement along with, with an encouragement that Jesus has given them. Remember therefore from where you have fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto you quickly and will remove your candlestick out of his place except you repent. It's an admonition, but it's, it's for them so that they would, would overcome, and it's for us if we were to have the same problems. But this you have, um, you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. And then he goes on, of course we know there's seven of these blessings for the churches and for the individuals. In Revelation, the third chapter, under the uh, Philadelphia angel, beginning of verse 7, to the angel of the church of, in Philadelphia, write these things, said he that is holy, he that is true, he that has the key of David, he that opens and no man shuts, and shuts and no man opens. I know your works. Behold, I've set before you an open door. No man can shut it. For you have a little strength, and have kept my word, and have not denied my name. These, on an individual basis, we could take these to heart. We could hold these, these truths in our own personal life. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before your feet and know that I have loved you. Because you have kept the word of my patience, I will keep you in the hour of temptation which shall come upon the world to try them that dwell on the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which you have, that no man take your crown. Bearing that fruit, holding that dearly, not allowing that to swivel, shrivel up and die, being close to God, making sure that, that, that we are filled with God's Holy Spirit. All of those things that we hold fast and look forward to that day when we are crowned with that great crown in his kingdom. He that overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. We'll never again have to worry. We'll be in that temple. In Revelation, the 14th chapter, I have just a couple more things here. Revelation 14, 12 and 13 Here's the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth, yea, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. There's a great future ahead of us, brethren, a tremendous future. And I always love to, when I have something that would tie into this. I would like, I'd love to go to Daniel, the seventh chapter, and tie in how much we will have a part in that kingdom and how much God is looking forward to putting us in a position in that kingdom to rule. 
And he's giving us that hope of that inheritance. In Daniel, the seventh chapter, beginning in verse 9, I beheld till thrones were cast down and the ancient of days did sit, whose garment was white as snow and hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was like fiery flame and his wheels as a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth before him. Thousands and thousands ministered unto him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. And the judgment was set and the books were open. And they beheld then uh, because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. And I beheld uh, even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning. As concerning the rest of the beast, they, did, uh, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season. In verse 13, I saw in night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven, came to the ancient of days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given to him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people and nations and all languages should serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom is that which shall not be destroyed. I look forward to that day when Christ returns to this earth. Verse 18, But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. We are those saints. We have a part of it. We need to be patient. We need to have long-suffering. We need to have joy and peace. All of those fruits that we might be a part of that kingdom. He says in verse 22, And until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. The saints possessed the kingdom. That's you and I, brethren. Verse 27, And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and dominion, and all dominion shall serve and, and obey him. I look forward to that day. I look forward to that time. But between now and then, that spirit that works in us, that fruit is being developed in patience and long-suffering. And they, close, they are very closely together. And the Bible admonishes us to develop both of them as His children. And we are His children. Our goal should be the kingdom of God. To be with the Father and to be with Christ. To never turn back. To never look back. We have our hands on that plow. Never turn back. Patience. Long-suffering. They're worth it, aren't they, brethren?